You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here and Keep Canada Weird, my pal Handsome Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded during the evening of July 20th, 2022, we discuss sex toys in Burlington, a hacker slash MLA, and we try to understand some of the nonsense that Tim Hortons seems to be up to down in the United States. So buckle up and let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport. I've never been so uncomfortable in a recording session because we're recording mm-hmm. on location at a venue. What do you yeah. call this place? This is um, a really special venue to me, actually. That's uh, called my house. More specifically, your kitchen. And you have a very beautiful place. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. You can thank the previous owners for that. I, I just kind of moved in, but... Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I've done some some stu- some things to it okay. um, recently, but um, yeah, no, it's it's great to have you here. We're gonna have a cheers here. Cheers to your place. Yeah, and yeah. Keeping Canada weird. I'm having a glass of wine uh, in celebration for our in in person session tonight. Mm-hmm. It was going to be a live show. We invited some people. No one showed up. Yeah, so well, was... the tickets were five hundred dollars each. So. <laughs> Um, I think that was the biggest deterrent. That was an issue. And then the general lack of interest as well was also against us. Yeah, we should have considered that in the pricing. Oh, well, next time. Um, so what have you been up to? Generally, you um, cringe at that question. But yeah, I know I you've do. been putting on a show. Things are happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been um, working on shows. So I had a show open last week and um, I went to it again last night. It was a show I directed and wrote. So... Uh, yeah, that happened. And then I've got a show coming up uh, July 29th at the Highland Arts Theatre in Sydney, a tribute to the Bare Naked Ladies. So uh, that's coming up. We're in rehearsals for that. And I'm counting on my hand, my fingers. That is nine days from now is the Bare Naked Ladies Gordon tribute show. Classic album. Most people would know, like, if I had a million dollars. Yeah. And uh, Enid. Yeah. But very few people would know that the first song on the album is actually, like, a diss track for Halifax. Yeah, that's right. It's called Hello City. And I don't know the story of how they came to write it, but it kind of describes li- uh, spending time in a really crappy place. He's mm. describing the, some of the streets, some of the bars. and Yeah, Halifax. yeah, the palace is mentioned. Barrington Street is mentioned. Yeah. And he also described, like, Halifax, our downtown is like a hill leading to the harbor. So when you're in downtown Halifax, you're always exhausted because you're walking on a hill. And yeah. I think he even references that in the song. It's like something like climb down the hills mm. to Barrington Street or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that kind of sucks. But we also have, just speaking of Halifax... The famous singer Grimes, who briefly was married, I think, to Elon Musk and had a kid with him. Mm-hmm. She spent time in Halifax and produced an album that was sort of based on the city. It's called the album. I think is called like Half a Lax or something Half like Lax, that. Yeah, but uh, a lot sounds of, like a fiber cereal. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm probably mispronouncing it, but a lot of people don't realize that she has an album kind of set in Halifax as well. Um, but anyway, best of luck for the show. I'm hoping to be here for it. I want to tell you about something that happened to me. Uh, I didn't intentionally keep Canada weird, 
but I happened upon a weird Canadian occurrence. Uh, very weird be- and very Canadian because it also mm. happens in a Tim Hortons drive-thru. Of course, and so, it wouldn't be a Keep Canada Weird episode without some kind of a Tim Hortons uh, related. Uh, well, we're going to open and probably close with the Tim Hortons And story. even throw one in the middle for fun, yeah. even though it's not planned. We'll, so, we'll find one. So I'm driving my youngest son to daycare. My oldest son is in the car with us, so there's three of us. And as we're driving past, coincidentally past a Tim Hortons, my oldest son was like, he kind of just had this weird tone in his voice and he goes, dad, I just saw something really weird and <laughs> keep it. And just to set the scene, it was like kind of, it's, you know, eight in the morning. It's kind of rainy and overcast and kind of cold for a July day. And he's like, dad, I just saw something really weird. And I was like, what was it, bud? And he looked to the seat next to him at his younger brother. And he's like, I don't think I can say while he's in the car. <laughs> and I was like, just tell me, like, just don't say a bad word. But what did you see? And he said, I just saw a completely naked person. Mm-hmm. And I assumed he maybe it was someone with shorts jogging oddly in the rain or something. And I'm like, no, you didn't. He's like, yes, it was someone without any clothes at all on. Uh, but we were too far away for me to check what was happening. So anyway, uh, we dropped my old, my youngest off at daycare. We turn around on our way back home. Uh Given that he suggested that something weird was happening, I was like, let's get a coffee at the Tim Hortons drive-thru and you can have some uh, Justin Bieber Timbits. And he's like, all right, whatever. He honestly covered his eyes as we went through the drive-thru. And as we go, we pull in, I place my order, go to the window, get my stuff. And then you kind of, the drive-thru kind of takes you around a corner of the building where you get back into the parking lot. As you go around to that around the building, there's like a little like curb on the side of the drive-thru, mm-hmm. and sure enough, there is I would say um, probably fifty-five-year-old woman, uh, not wearing anything whatsoever, no socks, no nothing. And as we're going by, a police officer is already on the scene, wrapping something around her waist. So police were on scene. Uh, in dealing with it. Uh, We drove off, but I've come to learn that this particular lady, people are probably thinking it's someone who's like mentally ill and having a bad day or something. Apparently this lady is on TikTok and she's kind of like an advocate for like, uh, I guess freedom of expression, but like going topless at the beach and walking around topless. But I think whatever you think of that, I feel like she probably took it too far Mm-hmm. On Monday morning, naked in the drive-thru. Well, I don't know. I mean, naked on a Monday. I mean, <laughs> the rest of your week is probably just going to get better. Yeah, it's kind of uphill from there. But either way... It's like, it was... I want to start the week off right, so I'm going to mm-hmm. take all my clothes off and go get a bagel at Tim Hortons. I just thought it was a weird choice to make. Uh, and the pl- and it, it puts the, probably the police in a pretty awkward position, because what do you like how do you how do you handle that you can't just like arrest someone but at the same time you can't let someone be completely naked in the middle of the day yeah yeah well it, you know it kind of harkens back to a story we covered a few weeks ago about the topless the topless uh woman in the park mm-hmm. who yeah caused caused a bit of a stir and the police showed up and bullied her a bit but i think yeah. we did decide there that there's a line at underwear and stuff like yeah, that. it's the below the belt line. Yeah. So this person broke that. 
Uh, I was considering. But did she know that you and I decided that? She must not listen to the show. She, she, if she wants to know, you know how human beings should act in society. Then yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we, we don't apparently, just... you know, we are the the be all end all. Yeah. On that. And we don't just lay down the rule. We kind of showed our math in that discussion. So I think if anyone knows this person, they should forward that old episode. <laughs> that old episode. Prevent that. Yeah, from yeah. It's it's from the from the belt up. It's fine. From the belt below is a no. Is a no-go. Is a no-go, Joe. Um, well, let's get to it. We have a mandate here to keep Canada weird by collecting and celebrating slash cringing at or denouncing Canada's weird and offbeat stories from the past week. You had just mentioned the rules of society and things we have to do to live together, like wear undergarments um, and not show our <laughs> private parts. Um, I think that yeah. that kind of is going to come up in the show because we have two stories that kind of, uh, I guess, reinforce the the age old adage that fences make good neighbors. Mm-hmm. We have a story of I don't even know how to classify this a hacker, an ethical question mark hacker politician. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have. A snapshot of Toronto that shows both the the symptoms of inflation and the symptoms of a raising crime rate. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get back to Tim Hortons and some nonsense that they're up to south of the border in the United States. Some complete nonsense. Save it. Save it, yeah. Let the anger build through the episode and then unleash it on Tim Hortons again, as yeah. we usually do. So where do you think we should start this? Uh, well, let's let's get into one of the neighbor stories that okay. we have. Would you rather start it with an unreasonable fine or sex toys? Let's start. Well, I mean, one should always build a little bit up to the sex toys. Okay. You know, it's a it's a, it's it's it should be gentle as you lead into that. Yeah, let's uh, lube it up with this story. Oh, okay, yeah. And you went. Uh, I tried to dance around it, and then you just went for it. So, all right. Uh, yeah, let's let's go for the um, less risque version of uh, angry neighbors. So this story, the headline of the article that I'm going to read some through, read through somewhat is woman faced $50,000 fine for a missing shingle after a bylaw complaint. An Ottawa woman who was handed an order by the city to fix a single shingle on a home she owns or face a $50,000 fine says the handling of the matter was heavy-handed and unfair. Heather Borkaz's house in Vanier lost the shingle during a recent storm that swept through in May. To get a letter saying you're in violation your one shingle flew off your wall, your roof during the during the storm. You're in violation, and the first offense is fifty thousand dollars, and the second offense is a hundred thousand. I was beside myself. I was very upset. I was hyperventilating. The poor bylaw officer, I'm sure, caught the brunt of it because I didn't understand why I was the only person on my street getting that kind of a letter when there's lots of houses in the neighborhood that are in much, much, much worse shape than mine. And it's, I felt it was, I was being bullied. I felt I was being harassed because I know the neighbor who reports all the time and he's scot-free. 
I found it to be Stalin-esque. You know, you have, it's like in Russia where you have a neighborhood spy and the neighbor spy calls and reports on you and, and, then, you're, and then you're stuck. Then you're stuck. There's nothing I can do. I don't know what happens if I don't fix my shingle. I literally don't know. But first offense is 50,000, second is 100,000. And even though they tell you, well, we'll never apply that, okay, but it feels, you know, you get a letter like that and it really takes you. I was, my mom was with me. She thought I was gonna have a stroke. I was so upset. And I guess my feelings were hurt too, because I thought, geez, my house is really nice. What's the matter with you? And I don't like the fact that my neighbors can spy on me and can report me. <laughs> I guess to summarize it, a storm blows through. She's missing a single, a shingle. The neighborhood watch Karen type person mm. calls in bylaw enforcement. Uh, a missing shingle. I don't know the bylaws in Ottawa, but they may have a bylaw about like an unsightly premises. There's an unsightly premises bylaw. Um, you know, locally that, yeah. you know, if, if, if somebody has a, a property that has become so unsightly or, you know, that it's causing issues, then you can use that to kind of try and get something I, done about it. I wonder if that's what they went after. Cause it's like missing one shingle. If it damages anybody, it's going to damage her when the next rainstorm comes and some water gets in. So it's not like this unsafe thing. on Yeah. Her and one missing shingle is not an overly unsightly thing to have on a house. You know, mm. if the house is just a normal house and it's missing one shingle, nobody's going to bat an eye at that. Even the most particular neighbor, I can't see. There, there, there seems to be more behind whoever called um, to report this missing shingle. There seems to be more motivation uh, well, that we're unaware of. It could very well just like the like they go on is both there's one neighbor who has a long history of calling in bylaw complaints. In reading this, her reaction and listening to an interview with her, I also feel like maybe she was given it back pretty harsh too. Yeah, she came across as a bit uh, a bit agitated, a bit overly agitated. Well, certainly in the comparisons to you know, as she put a communist Russia and. You know, all of all of these comparisons that she was making, which I find to be given, you know, what's going on in the world to be yeah, that's a inappropriate and extreme. Yeah, that's to be a... comparing, you know, your three hundred dollar shingle bill to uh, to anything going on with Russia right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's that is so true. Well, that is the the first I well and. I guess it's settled now. She did the repair. So until the next kind of slight comes. Is there a picture of her house anywhere? Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it's not it like it looks like a normal it's house. It's a normal yeah, house. Yeah. Like it's not like a high end home and it's not a Because I can't imagine being a bylaw officer being like, I can't believe I have to go hassle this person over one missing shingle. Yeah. But maybe if, um, I don't know what their mandate is, but maybe they have to investigate complaints. Well, and... certainly they have to, but they're probably like looking at their day and the list of things that they have to do. And it's like, and then I have to go spend God knows how long investigating a missing shingle from a woman's house. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like their day is like, you know, massive hole next to elementary school, uh, broken pavement, flying and breaking windows on Main Street, uh, possible missing shingle. <laughs> yeah. They should really have more instead of contacting the bylaw officers, they should have contacted like a Nancy Drew or a Hardy Boys type uh detective agency type um yeah like send some kids to investigate send some kids stupid. to investigate the case of the stolen roof shingle uh well actually that could be a cool idea whenever they get like these nonsense nuisance complaints 
have like a group of like eight nine year olds who yeah. are like tasked with who show up it. with like magnifying glasses and like Sherlock Holmes hats just and... to screw with the people who put in these nonsense complaints. Mm. Well, the next story we'll get into goes in a different direction. This neighbor that we just talked about didn't like her missing shingle and he sicked by law enforcement on her. Uh, the next story takes a whole different approach altogether. This one, uh, we're not going very far from Ottawa. We're going to Burlington. And we're going to hear about the Burlington resident that created a backyard sex toy display in retaliation for a bylaw dispute. Mm -hmm. Burlington resident Linda Lee says her morning routine has been disrupted by a display that cannot be missed from her kitchen window. Every morning when I get up, I come over here and make my coffee and... That is staring me right in the face. The raccoon house sitting at the corner of their backyard is decorated with various sex toys stuck to its roof. It was put there by their neighbor after a dispute over a tree. We had a tree that we noticed that was hazardous in my opinion. Uh, it was splitting at the top and I just approached my neighbor and let him know because he was fairly new to the area. Lee says she called bylaw after nothing was done about the tree and bylaw deemed it to be unsafe. The city came and said you need to take it to eight feet. Linda's husband Chris says the neighbor initially had his own quote to take the tree down but never did anything with it. And it was an extra $400 uh, for him to pay out of pocket for the city to come and have them remove it. And I think that's what's upset him. We had the tree guys here, they were already working here, and he chose to say he would do it himself, which is what annoys me about the whole situation. Sean Oriold owns the property with the tree, which is now home to the bright colored display. At this point, I'm out that money. In all honesty, I'm probably out more money for all these creative decorations. But the man who did it says that he did it to send a message about calling bylaw officers on neighbors. And the whole thing could be solved if they just came and talked to me like a person, opposed to being passive aggressive and calling bylaw every time. The Lee say that the display has negatively impacted their family and social lives, putting a damper on a recent birthday party they hosted for Linda's mom's 91st birthday. They also installed security cameras in their backyard in wake of the situation. I just want it down. I just want it to be gone. It's, you know, it's way past just a tree removal. It's about uh, what's right and wrong, and this is wrong. The Lees have reached out to bylaw counselors and the mayor to see if the sex toys can be taken down, but say they have not yet received much help. Specifically states in the uh, definitions of nuisance, anything that's indecent or offensive to your senses. And as far as I'm concerned, you've got five senses and sight is one of them. Sean says he'd take the display down if the Lees remove their security cameras and repay him the $400 it costs to lower the tree. What they did is they put kind of like a, it looks like a birdhouse on the top of the stump that the tree, where the tree used to stand. And it's in a spot where it's looking, this birdhouse that they built, it's bright purple and it's looking directly at the neighbor's home who filed the complaint and they covered the birdhouse in dildos that are all pointing <laughs> towards the neighbor's property. Uh, the neighbor can't look mm. out their kitchen window without seeing it. They entertain guests in the backyard. Yeah. It's right there. They even had a, a birthday party or something like that was going on yeah. uh, in the backyard. And there was the, they called it a raccoon house. Um, Is that, that put, what they call that's, it? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's not, it's obviously a lot larger than a birdhouse. Um, but I think it's, it's designed if like, so a raccoon can go inside. 
I'm not sure why you would want to encourage raccoons to to take up shop in your in your nearby trees, but or in your yard. But yeah, this they interviewed the guy who actually put it up. He was on apologetic, and he he mm-hmm. claims unless they give me the money I spent removing the tree, it's staying up. Uh, this is a, they're kind of at a standstill. I don't other than hating your neighbor for the rest of your life. I don't know how mm-hmm. this one ends. Yeah, um, you could move. You could move, but um, I mean, I'm sure a hurricane's going to come through that area at some point. You know, a strong wind will probably take care of those dildos. I don't um, know how they're connected because it wouldn't be that heavy, and it's kind of well. The thing is, is that like uh, it depends on what kind of dildos they are. If they're oh, just made from latex, then he could have glued them or he could have nailed them to it but like but it could be worse because then as the wind blows they're just be flapping back and forth but then they're going to start to rip and then they're going to fall down and then Mm. he's going to have dildos on the ground all over yeah his ground all over his yard yeah 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 Uh, the raccoons like it's in a raccoon house so like what do the raccoons think of the of the dildos on the house yeah because the raccoon is like you know i need a place to live this is where i live and then my neighbor is putting dildos on my roof. <laughs> uh, the true victim here. But if the, if there is bylaw enforcement for trees and for shingles, certainly there would be one, or like some kind of bylaw or something that could affect your ability to have a bunch of dildos and something pointed towards your neighbor's house. But I guess it's on his own property and his neighbor could put up a fence or a higher fence because they already yeah, have Yeah, but I think there probably is an argument there if it's an obscene Im- imagery that is being put up and pointed towards their yard so that they see it. They w- I would think they would have an argument Yeah. to, to get the authorities involved to, to force him to take it down. Yeah, and it especially where, like I'm just thinking the objects themselves aren't, it's like it's not like naked photos or something. It's not no. like obscene, but if you have kids in that yard that yeah, like that's yeah. a x-rated like an adult kind yeah, of yeah then maybe he could come back and make the argument well it's it's an art installation that i have in my backyard mm. and you know some may consider it provocative but it's art yeah but life is provocative life is provocative uh, and, uh, but again people still aren't considering the raccoons yeah. who live in that house um that's sad. These people in Burlington, I feel for them because it's like I, I don't well, think. Well, I they, mean, yeah, a tree, a tree that that is dead, that is going to fall over at some point, whether it's going to hit your property and damage your property or hit a power line or whatever it is. You know, that is something that a neighbor should take care of if that tree's on their property because it's only going to damage. You know somebody else's property exactly eventually yeah. like a, a tree that was split like that um in the news article i saw the tree it's in, it was in rough shape and it would be if it was my neighbor had that i'd be concerned too that the storm that would maybe blow the dildos off the raccoon house mm-hmm. would have blown that tree onto maybe my house maybe my neighbor's house maybe my car you know who knows the story but it's like i said at the beginning they say fences are good neighbors, and this is why you can have someone next door. They have a fence, a bigger, taller. They need fence. they need a privacy fence, unlike any privacy yeah. fence ever seen before. But it's just when you live that close to someone in the city, where you're crammed on top of each other, it's like all it takes is a nasty neighbor to completely destroy your home. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, in my neighborhood, there's no fences. 
but you're not like on top of we're not on top yeah. of each other so it's um, in looking at these photos they kind of they almost like share a backyard for the most part yeah so it's a it's a crappy situation and it's like the, their relationship will never be okay. Like these people will die hating their shitty well, neighbor. Well, that's the thing. And you're always coming home with your groceries and seeing your neighbor kind of, you know, sitting on their step, uh, washing their dildos. And you just, it's awkward. <laughs> um, we'll follow this story if there's any updates. I don't expect to see one. Uh, hopefully these people get a good deal on their house and they're able to move. Well, it's going to be hard to sell a house if... Uh, oh, imagine showing. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, and then we have the backyard and there's a beautiful art installation of 24 dildos that are going to be pointing at you all the live long day. So, and it's beautiful and the sunset comes and it reflects off of the... Yeah. Uh, you can smell the rubber. Off of some of the metallic up. dildos that he has pointing at your backyard as well. And, um, <laughs> you know, and then let's go check out the uh, the kitchen. Yeah. I was, Where there are no dildos. The guy who put up the dildo raccoon house, I like that he agreed to an interview with the local news and he's like unapologetic to it. He sounds like a complete idiot. Yeah, in the interview he comes across as just a ignorant Moron. neighbor. Yeah, yeah. and he's just like, oh, they didn't talk to me or whatever and blah, blah, blah and whatever. Yeah. You know, he, just tossing it all aside as they're the ones that are crazy. He looks like he's, you know, like 30 something, but he kind of has, he comes across with the attitude of like a 15 year old and just like, oh, it was sucking yeah. and living next to you. If, if, I, if my neighbor put up um, a raccoon house with a, a number of dildos attached to it, it would not bother me in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have kids. I don't have anything. But it would bother me if I was trying to sell my house and I had to explain certainly the situation. Yeah, that's uh, that sucks. Well, let's move on. I have one quick update for you before we move on to our next story. Okay. This actually just came through earlier today. A listener uh, is helping keep Canada weird by keeping me up to date on a story we covered a while back. You remember the um, big potato man mm. in a town that I could not pronounce right? That's right. Uh, New Brunswick. Do you remember the name of the town? Um, no, I don't remember the name of the town. Uh, oh, Majorville. Majorville. Silver Valley Farms has the giant potato man made out of concrete. And we last covered the story. They were looking for someone to f- repair the concrete of the potato mm. man before it fell over. They found someone. He died before they could finish, finish the work. They made a post on their Facebook, both um, expressing their remorse or their sympathy to his family for his death and notifying people that the position is now mm. again open. Uh, they just made a post on their Facebook, the Silver Valley Firms, with a little bit of good news. I'm going to read you the Facebook post okay. and we'll follow the story. What they had to say is great news. The big potato man is finally <laughs> ready. Thank God. <laughs> the, the big potato man is finally ready to be shown off to the world again. After a couple weeks of work, rain or shine, the guys at A Plus Masonry got the job done. We can't thank them enough for all the hard work on bringing our spud back to his glory. And then it has a picture of what is probably the potato covered in a big like tarp, and it says this Saturday, July twenty third. At 1 p.m. will be the unveiling of the Big Potato Man. Grab your family and friends and come on out for a fun afternoon. After a thank you to everyone who helped make this restoration possible, we will be serving a free small ice cream. From it's a stress small. Yeah, it's not a lot of ice cream. <laughs> 
we'll, we will give you a teaspoon of ice cream if you come out come out to see the unveiling of the new potato man it'll be great if they took the uh you know the tarp off of the potato man it was covered in dildos <laughs> neighbor <laughs> Well, let's get to the next story here. Uh, let's actually these are two crime stories, I guess, in a roundabout way. We have an, an ethical hacker who's also a politician, and then theft slash inflation in Ontario. Let's do the the hacker. It's yeah, a bit longer. Yeah. yeah. Let's hack into that one. This is a really odd story and i feel like we're only getting the surface of it oh big time uh but i'm i'm excited because this is eventually going to go to court Mm -hmm. and i i'm sure a lot more is going to come out i don't know what this could what this guy's up to but whatever it is it's something really interesting so i'll read you a bit of a global news article with the headline court documents detail rcmp hacking investigation into alberta politician thomas dang September 2021, abnormal traffic is flooding Alberta Health's newly launched COVID-19 vaccination website. Near constant attempts to get the personal health number and records of the very man who had just launched the site, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney. The level of sophistication, uh, this is not uh, a simple act. I, I think it was, was malicious uh, and it was intended to, to target the Premier. According to newly unsealed court documents, it was a brute force attack. 1.75 million requests for personal health numbers using the date of birth of Premier Jason Kenney. The attacker hiding behind the Tor network, a system designed to provide anonymity to a user. MLA Thomas Dang has admitted he was that attacker. He reported the breach to the NDP, who in turn reported it to government. Dang has since resigned from the NDP caucus due to the investigation, but has claimed to be an ethical hacker trying to ferret out vulnerabilities in the site. As an opposition MLA, as a private member of the Assembly, I have an obligation to investigate and report concerns when they are raised to me. By him saying that he's being an ethical hacker and it's his duty to do that. Uh, that's like a person saying it's my duty to rob a bank because the bank is there. The NDP is not commenting further on the activities of their former MLA. Prosecutors have decided to charge Dang with illegally accessing private information under the Health Information Act rather than laying criminal charges. So. Instead of a penalty of up to 10 years in prison, if convicted, Dang is facing a fine of up to $200,000. Wow. So what is this guy up to? That's what I'm wondering, because he said that he wants to, you know, attest the cybersecurity, uh, you know, abilities of this site. Call him BS. No way. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. And he wouldn't tell anybody he's going to do it. And he just did it on a Friday afternoon saying as if like, it, it's his obligation as an MLA. Uh, it's it's no MLA's obligation. Well, yeah. also a cybersecurity expert or whatever he calls yeah, himself. Yeah, it's like, come on. So, yeah. But I'm just trying to imagine this. So a constituent calls him and says like, I think that the vaccine portal is not secure. So he goes on the Tor browser, which is like protected through a VPN. It's like basically like the dark web sort of stuff. Mm. And it sounds like he writes a program 
to automatically keep trying because it said there was 1.75 million using the premier's info and 50,000 using his. So that's yeah. not him like entering it. No, that's it's like just a, the program. Like a it's script just, that yeah. he writes. Yeah. Um, so for one, this constituent who files the complaint or the tip, I wonder if there's any record of that because it would be interesting if that even happened. But mm-hmm. I don't believe it did. I, I don't I, believe anything that he's saying at all. It just seems really sketchy to me. Like the whole way through. Why yeah, would you do it? Because though? if you were going to test it, you'd tell somebody, or you would get someone to test it. Like it's not. Like you would it, get. Yeah, you would go through an official process of like hiring, you know, uh, a company to do it or yeah, something. So let's say if someone you're an MLA and your constituents complaining about the road and you have some gravel and asphalt, you're like, I'm going to take my truck down there and I'll fix the road. Like yeah. ML, that wouldn't be an MLS thing to do. It's also a Friday afternoon, which is like strategic, I think, because everybody's kind of. What was the Friday afternoon when this happened? When he did it, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I think that's what I read in the article okay. that it was on a Friday afternoon. Yes, yeah, only sketchy stuff happened. He said Friday. he uh, that. Oh, yeah, in the article, he he was quoted as saying he would have contacted someone, but it was Friday afternoon, and you know he knew that nobody would. Uh, would answer or something he's just that ethical which is such a like grasping at straws like Uh, excuse yeah i will see what happens if it goes to court but it sounds like he could have got a much more serious crime a much more serious charge which is the unauthorized use of a computer instead they got him under some other charge related to the probably like privacy type stuff Mm -hmm. but um either way like this guy like I don't know what he was doing or what he was trying to do or what he would have gained from whatever finding a flaw in the system. But uh, he comes across as really weird and sketchy to me. Yeah, it's just it is sketchy. And it's and, you know, it's it's clear in his answers in the article that he's got another underlying motivation here up to why he did it. Um, whatever that is, I guess we don't know because he's clearly lying about what his motivations were. That's what I feel. Yeah. Um, it seems like he is the type of person that has led to our next story. Uh, something interesting has been noticed in Toronto, Ontario. You know, when you go into a grocery store or Walmart or even a convenience store, the high-end stuff is in a locked cabinet. I notice like razor blades at Walmart are always in a locked cabinet. Yeah, and it's funny because like some Walmarts, like there's this Neutrogena um, moisturizer that I buy. Okay. Uh, it's called Hydro Boost. You look refreshed. So oh. That might be it. Oh, maybe. Call me Neutrogena. Ah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so at most Walmarts, it's not locked away, but in the Walmart up the road from here it is and i have to go and try and find somebody who has a key for that because there's never anybody in the cosmetics department at that walmart so i have to track somebody down and then they have to go and find somebody with the key and then they'll open it up and i can get it there i get it delivered now just from amazon yeah um but i was like why do you guys lock up the neutrogena moisturizer when every other walmart doesn't and she was like oh it's here it gets stolen all the time. Weird, weird thing to steal. But I guess it's like a little bottle. It's probably like twenty bucks. Yeah, it's just a little. You know, it's it's not a big, you know, container yeah. or anything. Yeah. So moisturizer, some types of medicines. Well, yeah, high end cosmetics and all that kind of stuff is is mm-hmm. locked away usually. Yeah. So some medicines you see like uh, certain cold medicines and stuff that people would steal to make drugs with or something. Razor blades are often one. Yeah. But. 
the first time I've seen beef jerky locked up. Yes, is it's this the very first story. time I ever have to. Because beef jerky to me is an impulse item. Uh, yeah, and it's not that I'm not, I'm not getting somebody to unlock it from a cabinet for me. So a uh, blog TO, which is like kind of like a Toronto uh, arts, culture, life kind of blog newspaper, maybe. I think it's a newspaper. I don't know if it's in print. But they have an article where um, the author of the article has been noticing that Beef jerky is now being protected inside a glass cabinet at 7-Elevens in Toronto. They have a photo of it. And yeah, sure enough, like as you're browsing the chips, the section where it's all like the dried meat products, they're all in a separate locked case. So I guess you have to go up and get the the worker to come open it. But Mm. surprising, it is surprising to see. But when I look at it and think about it, a bag of chips, I guess, you know, a buck fifty. Uh, a beef jerky stick, which is a whole lot smaller. They're like three or four dollars each. So I guess a thief could grab four of them yeah. and take you know twenty ish dollars. Well, look the at the uh, story we covered before with the um, the bull penises. Yes, and... which is a similar product because it's a dried. That's right. Yeah, and they weren't locked up, and then that person made off with you know dozens of. Them. Yeah, and I guess with beef jerky and and a Seven Eleven is generally a a big store where there's like one person working mm-hmm. so later and they're often 24 hours so if you have four people who walk in the store together one causes a distraction one can walk and just you know two handfuls of beef jerky can be a considerable amount of money uh it's also they, a considerable amount of sodium uh, yeah could you imagine how thirsty you'd be you'd have to go back and steal like small pop which aren't locked up yeah, that's the flaw in this. They should lock up the water. They need, yeah, so they should unlock the beef jerky and then lock up the water. Yeah, so have people get steal the... and then raise the price of the water. Yes, yeah. <laughs> get their money back. Yeah. But it's uh, what's like to think of it, 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 you can kind of roll your eyes at the idea of locking up beef jerky, but the owner of a 7 Eleven would only pay for a big locked, lockable glass cabinet to come in if it was going to save them money. So mm-hmm. I would like to know, like, how often are these things being stolen? It would be really cool. I don't. Maybe this exists for convenience store owners, but it would be really cool to get stats on like all the products and what, like, how often one is stolen versus. Well, another. I'm sure some of the big chain convenience stores, like a Seven Eleven or uh, locally here in Cape Breton, it's called Needs um, or in Nova Scotia, but. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that they would have some kind of uh, numbers on that. Um, and, and different ways to handle it, too. Like uh, 7-Eleven here is choosing to lock it up. Uh, some stores will put stuff behind the counter. Behind the counter, yeah. Because that's where you'll see like batteries and and the you-know-whats that you put on your you-know-whos. Uh, yeah, sometimes you stick them on the raccoon house. Or no, different. But no, you in don't the need, same, you don't like, need them on those. Um, there's a convenience store because we're in Cape Breton right now near Sydney. There's a convenience store in Sydney. I, I posted about this online before. The store is called Big Ben's. We did an episode together. About oh, yeah, that's right. That was, a, that was a classic episode. But what uh, Big Ben's does, uh, is, which is amazing, is they have a large binder when you walk in the store, which is almost like they're wanted posters. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, CTV camera shots of people stealing and you can just grab a pen and write who the person is on the page if you choose to i had shared if you dare if you dare uh, i had 
I had gone home one day to Cape Breton. I was here and I, I was flipping through the book and I was just kind of amazed at the idea of like, it would say what they stole. So one, it was like a, you know, a woman stole, or it was a photo of a woman and she was kind of looking over her shoulder suspiciously towards the camera. And it, I think it said like that she stole, um, like bulk candy, like from, you know, you buy the candy in a bag and you weigh it and they charge you. Yeah. She stole some of that. And I took a picture of that page and a few other pages from the book. And I made a post on Facebook being like, you know, the store in my hometown shames people who steal stuff. Isn't that, you know, funny. Uh, I put that up and it started getting shared around and it was literally like two hours later. I got mm. an email from, or not an email, a message from someone saying like, I'm in one of those photos. And if you don't take it down, it's slander and I'm going to sue you. Oh, wow. not even kidding. I'll show you the message when we finish up. But, wow. uh, anyway, I didn't do anything about it. I didn't take the picture down or anything. I just didn't respond to that person. Yeah. But, uh, cause I, I kind of did the math in my head and I was like, slander would be if I said something that wasn't true. And, if she's saying that is a picture of her stealing, then I'm she should just, maybe take uh, her issues go, up with Big Ben's. That's kind of <laughs> what I was thinking. Store that has her picture in the binder. Uh, in the yeah, like as you walk in the busy store. Um, mm. Anyway, hopefully, people stop stealing the beef jerky. Well, now how are they going to now unless they steal the cabinet or smash into it? Well, they're going to sell a lot less. If I was in the store and that's I had the thing, to... that's what I was saying earlier. I find beef jerky to be an impulse buy. Yeah, if I was in a store and I was looking for something to grab for a quick snack, and I had to like go up and ask for the, can you unlock the beef jerky cabinet? Yeah, I would can never I have do nine that. Packages, please. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not doing this every day. Yeah. Um... Your cat just touched my leg, distracted me. That's a nice cat. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's usually quite uh, skittish of strangers, but, but he knows he a seems good soul. To not mind you so much. He knows a good soul. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we got to get into something that's going to upset you. Mm-hmm. So let's think back. We, we talk about Tim Hortons a lot. Let's think of the products, the Tim Hortons products we've complained about or bashed so far. So we had the Tim Beebs. The Tim Beebs and then the Bieber uh, drink. Yeah, the Bieber it? brew. The Bieber brew. Nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about their loaded bowls. Oh, yes. The evolutionary uh, concept of bowls. Uh, I think we probably complained about their brief foray with like the Beyond Meat stuff. Although they, yeah. they don't do that, but we still look back and at that. And we've lightly as... touched on their ice cream and their cereal too. Their cereal. a little bit. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the ice cream which is sold in stores, which actually I've heard amazing reviews of. Right. Coincidentally. And their cereal, which I bought and I wasn't crazy about it. Uh, my kids liked it though because it was like pure sugar. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're hitting a new low. Tim Hortons, that is, with their bizarre spitball attempt at marketing. Fortunately, they're not going to subject Canadians to this particular product just yet. Uh, Right now, south of the border in the United States, Tim Hortons and Red Bull have teamed up for the creation of a new Tim's Boost Energy Infusion beverage. That's a mouthful. The Tim's, yeah, so is the drink. Yeah. The Tim's Boost Energy Infusion Beverage debuted in two flavors, Sunrise Sunset and Sky's the Limit. Sunrise Sunset is so, made with a vibrant mix of raspberry-flavored syrup and Red Bull 
Yellow Edition. I don't even know what that is. While Sky's the Limit features a blend of blue raspberry and coconut flavored syrups with a Red Bull energy drink. And you can find both Tim's Boost Energy Infusion beverages at participating U.S. locations for a limited time. Uh, this sounds insane. I would never. Oh my god! It's and I don't even get what it is other than Red Bull and syrup. Like, is it sounds like the sweetest, sugariest thing? And and Red Bull's loaded with caffeine, right? Oh my god! Yeah. So it's like you you have. It's probably the equivalent of getting like you know a triple triple coffee or something. A they're probably not even legally allowed to do that in Canada. That's probably why they're. That's probably why the the reason they're only releasing it in the United States is because you know you can do whatever you want there. Yeah. But just think of this. So the sky's the limit. So the way they make that drink is it starts with a Red Bull energy drink. So take a cup and put Red Bull energy drink in it, which is just pop with a ton of caffeine and sugar. And then what they add to it is blue raspberry flavored syrup and coconut flavored syrup. So it's not even saying juice, syrups. So this is like mm. thick, sugary oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. This would be disgusting. And even to look at it, when you look at the photo of it, it glows like a radioactive formula. Yeah, it's like from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like the turtles fell into it and then they grew into ninjas. <laughs> um. I hope they never bring this here, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I wouldn't surprise me either. It reminds me of Jagger bombs. Remember? Um, I mean, Jagger bombs are probably still a thing, but they became very popular. I remember, like in the mid two thousands, yeah, and it, everybody was like drinking Jagger bombs. Explain what a Jagger bomb is. Again. So, what a Jagger bomb is is it's um, Jagermeister, the the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And an energy drink like Red Bull mixed together. Okay. So it's like, you know, however much of the energy drink that you want and then a shot or two of, of Jagermeister. And it's intense, you know, like it's a, it's, it's a, it's alcohol, it's caffeine, it's like a lot of sugar, you know, it's, um, so it gets you amped up. And, and I remember there was a bar here in Cape Breton called Smooth Hermans and they oh, would yeah. sell you a Jager bomb. But then I don't know who came down, if it was a liquor commission or who came down on it all, but they made um, bars here at least at the time. You had to separate. You couldn't sell it combined, the shot and the energy drink in one glass. You had to sell it separately. Because there's just too much. So here's your energy drink. That's this much. And then here's your shot of, uh, you know. Do you remember Jolt Cola? Yeah. It was like, same great taste, twice the caffeine. Yeah. It was advertised as just being like Coke, except with more caffeine. We used to drink that before school dances. <laughs> we would, we would like, we would just dance. We would just get like two Jolt Colas. You would just come in sweating profusely <laughs> and just start dancing all over the place. Yeah, that's what we did. That was a good time yeah, back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The CNC Music Factory gonna um, make you sweat. <laughs> well, we can wrap this up. I think we fulfilled our mandate tonight. We kept, we we found a few weird stories. Uh, in the process, we were able to break down some issues that affect us all, like dealing with our neighbors and protecting stores from theft of beef jerky. Uh, we were able to shame Tim Hortons once and a half, because my story at the beginning about the yeah, new person, yeah. that wasn't so much a Tim's it thing. It really had very little to do with well, just where it took place. Yeah, but 
people hang out at Tim's and do weird stuff. Like at Tim Hortons parking lot. Like mm. you, you can talk about Tim Hortons being kind of this like cultural icon in Canada. Yeah. For better or worse. But f- Tim Hortons geographically, like it always ends up being like a bit of a town hall, both inside mm. the restaurant with people sitting down complaining about the government or in the parking lot. There's well, always people. There. Tim Hortons is where problems are solved and problems are created. I think that's a beautiful way to end it. Ma'am. Aaron, until next time. Jordan, until next time. Uh, Get out of my house. I'm putting up a raccoon house outside. Okay. 90 days. I want to thank you for joining Aaron and I for our Keep Canada Weird discussion. But before we part, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big thanks to the Internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who supplies the intro and outro voiceovers. But most importantly, I have a massive thanks to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, Nighttime would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, It'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed, as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a full back catalogue of episodes only on the premium feed. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, help keep the show alive and get more of it at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And with that said, let me thank the newest subscribers of the premium feed. Patrick, Tanya, and Paulina, thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can help keep Canada weird by sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, want to give feedback on the show, or would like to contribute a voice memo for Aaron and I, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. And we hope to hear from you soon. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.